Look at that. You already have your instruments. All ready to go. Can you turn them up a bit? Give me a second, speaker. Okay. So we have Simon, Jen, and Fred. Yeah. All right. Chris is where? Behind the couch? Uh, yeah, he's so far behind the couch, he's not even in the room. But uh, yeah, he's uh, coming from another gig, and uh, that's the way it is with drummers in, on demand, you know? Uh, listen, I didn't want didn't to put down any drummers, but you went there, so. <laughs> Hi. The following podcast is brought to you by Radical Road Brewery, the best craft beer in the heart of Leslieville. Find them at 1177 Queen Street East. That's Radical Road Brewery. Hi, I'm Jen. I'm Simon. I'm Fred. And we are Neon Bloom, and you are listening to and or watching Welcome Welcome to to Music. Perfect, perfect. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Uh, we're very excited to have you on today. Um, one of the first things I wanted to start off with was as was, was listening to your 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 two EPs and I think it's two singles, if I'm not mistaken. Um, is is the 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 variety of sound like uh, I'd like to explore that because it's like everything from like I hear sort of sort of late '70s sort of post punk almost into new wave kind of thing to chill to like almost uh, like pop punk ish. I mean, it's just, it, it's a variety and I'd love to explore sort of where that comes from and where, you know, yeah. Where, where does, where does your sound or your variety of sounds come from? Well, I think, um, I mean, Chris isn't here a drummer, but uh, all four of us have slightly different tastes and genres that we're inspired by for myself. It's definitely, like you nailed it with like 70s post-punk and I like punk and rock and stuff like that. That's where I'm coming from. And then uh, you guys, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I love that stuff too. I like I like a lot of electronic music, um, more like 90s alt-rock maybe, like grunge, mm-hmm. um, or like Radiohead kind of 90s stuff. Uh, got into jazz, used to play in jazz band and whatnot. Um, so we have a lot, a lot of different influences. I think some of it, like when you're talking about the, the EPs that we have, like one of the EPs we recorded at home, like during the quarantine, um, that one, uh, was the most recent one. So it kind of just sounds way different. Cause it's like, no one had really space to record like loud drums and guitars or, oh. or whatever, like, um, at home that easily. So we are like, okay, we'll use, you know, um, more synthesizers or drum machines and that kind of stuff. So, um, mm-hmm. some of it's just sort of experimenting in just different circumstances. Yeah, the energy was definitely really different on Still Life on that EP. That was the the COVID EP. So, mm-hmm. yeah, very like more like low low key kind of almost reminded me of, like soundtrack. One of the songs, Bullet in Tomorrow, has like a very soundtrack type of feel yeah. to me. And like, uh, Fred, what do you? Yeah, as they say, uh, necessity is the mother of invention, and uh, we had to become uh, just, uh, I guess, with the confines we were dealing with, with things shut down, studio spaces shut down. We were, we were recording in our bedrooms, and some of it was done in correspondence with sending tracks back and forth. So uh, we became ingenuitive with what we had, and maybe for that reason, maybe, yeah, some maybe moodier or electronic kind of... Uh, textures pushed their way to the forefront and it was it was a great thing and I, I i'm really glad you hear that variety within our catalog and i think we're only just like uh peeking through of what we <laughs> given the time and resources what we would love to bring into the world because our uh influences are so vast and the synergy that comes together when we mix these influences is gets really exciting nice absolutely that's great are you, are you guys like sitting across Times Square where where you guys are? Like the, I, I'm getting this cool color vibe <laughs> happening on the door behind all these colors. As you know, we're, 
for neon blue, so we got to have that neon <laughs> that neon vibe going on. Nice. But, uh, I, I got these funky uh, LED strip lights that I I got I got uh, going on in the in the bedroom. So <laughs> thought we would uh, bust those out for the for our welcome to the music. Nice. Uh, Look at that. <laughs> so where where does the name come from? Because I mean that's uh, that's a killer name for a band. Mm -hmm. Thank you. That was. Uh, it didn't jump right out at us. We were going. We, we could have. We, we had notepads and we uh, names, names sitting in sneaky D's trying to you know you know think of the best uh, name that wasn't taken yet. And yeah, I think we were start, like any any like forget about it. One word if you it's already taken. You have to have like a collision of two words that weren't usually put that together. Yeah. And. Um, we like to, I think we just like the imagery of the words, uh, neon, like kind of can, you know, nightlife and, you know, colors and uh, maybe uh, supporting the kind of electronic synthy element that our band brings to the table. And Bloom, life, like we didn't want it too dark, like, uh, and... I I can't I don't think we could deny a little bit of Nirvana love there with uh in bloom bloom I think that yeah. way it came it came with the territory uh, yeah. <laughs> what what names got got left yeah. on the on the floor I'm trying to remember I'm always saying yeah, I'm trying like, to remember like, I think static blue so, oh I hated that one yeah they're they're cringeworthy yeah. now yeah, yeah there was something combinations uh I, I mean some were cool and then we had to like look online no it's already taken already taken people won't believe like what's taken oh, man. Yeah. yeah oh my goodness so how did the the three of you get together or, or i guess the four of you but you three the here four of you. yeah so chris is not here but yeah yeah so there used to be a site called down to jam and it was set up almost like how down to jam down yeah. to Jam. It was a website. Yeah, like Jenny says, it was, it was like a dating site as like for musicians. For musicians. But but not dating Greg, like Greg used to go on that other website. What was down to what? Greg used to tell me about it. All <laughs> <time>. <laughs> well, that's a whole other thing. That's, that's, that's another show. Thing. That's another yeah, show. That's another show altogether. <laughs> but uh, no, it's too bad this site doesn't exist anymore. It, it was, is great. It was perfectly designed. Like if I could have, you know, this, uh, put my wish list of how a site would be designed this had it all you could upload your audio links photos of yourself and then we went videos, right videos and right down to the uh, detail yeah genres and even how serious like how how often would, yeah. would would you jam ideally like you know one to two times a week and once it, was a month. Really, it was really really well designed anyhow it didn't survive but uh Jenny was on there. Yeah, I was on there. We we matched. We we sw we swiped right to each other. Yeah. <laughs> we met up in person. Uh, oh, did we meet up in person? Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. We jammed. Then, we got along well. Yeah. So we were like, okay, let's pursue this, and then second date. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, Simon. No, Chris. Chris I suggested Chris as as we tried to uh, assemble more members. I suggested Chris. I had jammed with him once, but he stepped out of my mind as a great drummer and uh, just a great guy that we got on the, on the same vibe together. And then uh, we put a posting, I think, in Craigslist uh, yeah. looking for a guitarist and um, lucked out. Yeah, lucked out. <laughs> yeah, some talented, some talented. I know about down the jam. Keyboard and uh, We never knew we would have bumped into a musical wizard of Simon, but uh, there were a few. There were like some really talented uh, people that uh, replied, and we jammed with them. They're great, but uh, Simon just stood out amongst the above the rest. And uh, yeah, <laughs> that's great. And that was that was like what a, a year or bit two years before. Uh, this is over five years ago. Oh, that was over five years oh, ago. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah but okay. We're, I didn't realize we're, you guys have been playing that long. It was the Sorry. blank years, you know, the two years that were lost in the in the void, the black <laughs> hole. But uh, yeah. 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 It's just a blur. It's just a blur. Yeah. So when when you when you guys meet, like, how do you like? What do you jam to? Is there an interview that you you know what bands do you like? What music do you play? Who did you play with? Like, how does that start? And how do you know? I guess Jen and Fred that. You know, Simon and Chris were, were going to be a good combination. Uh, it's it's like a collision of like a date 
Uh, so like the chemistry yeah. aspect of, of a date almost mm -hmm. with a job interview. So you're kind of yeah. like, cause you want to be serious. You're going to invest a lot of time and then and you want it to work. And uh, so they're like practical, a lot of like, there's a very practical side to it of like, okay, how committed are you? How much are you going to put into this? Are we yeah. on the same level? If not, nope. Like we had to say no to some mm -hmm. people. They're like, okay, bye. Like that's not going to work. And then there's this other side of like, do you get along? as people because you have to spend a lot of time together we've traveled together we've had to you know we you really have to get along and then and then there's also like the the musical chemistry that has to be there and you can just tell when it isn't like when you're out on a date like you just know when it's working you know when mm -hmm. it's not working and we got really lucky yeah so with four people it's very tricky to navigate everything over several years and yeah. I believe we, I, I believe uh, Jenny and I showed Simon like just some rough sketches of, of tunes we had and, yeah. uh, you know, just like quickly just, you know, shouted out what we were doing and, uh, and Simon just fell into place because he's well skilled and, and just following along and uh, just a jam, just a riff over a line over and over and, uh, um yeah that's how when i as i remember i think we we met simon and i think jenny and i met simon and it, it went well and then I, I was i was really hoping that chris could come up for a jam today if simon we were on the fence with jenny and i, I thought if chris came out on drums it would uh <laughs> it would sell simon on the idea so oh it, okay yeah, so you yeah. guys you guys were recruiting simon yes yeah yeah, well, actually, when we, we realize how good he is. Okay. <laughs> so, Simon, before before you know Neon Bloom, what what were you up to? What was your musical journey? Um. Well, like I started in piano lessons. You know. Okay. Yeah. Chinese parents. Uh, so I started <laughs> piano lessons. Um, and uh, did that for a while. I just got bored with it. Eventually, I was like, yeah, I want to start learning guitar. And I was playing, you know, like Green Day and then Blink-182 and that, that kind of stuff was like kind of my first entry into it. And then, uh, I, yeah, I just sort of stuck with it. That was probably around, I don't know, middle school or something. I, I was like, I'm not doing piano anymore. I'm playing guitar. And, uh, yeah, just sort of kept at it. I did some busking and stuff. I used to live in Vancouver. I did some busking there. I did a bit of busking here. Um, I was playing in another band at the time called Paper Parachutes. And uh, I, that was kind of more of like a soul funk band, which I really loved that kind of sound too. Okay. Um, but I was feeling like, yeah, it'd be fun to do something that was like a little bit louder, a little bit um, more intense, kind of, you know, more of a like rock kind of sound. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I was just browsing Craigslist, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> just seeing like, hey, who's out there? And like, or just to try to find people to jam with. Like I would, some, I've actually found a few groups of people on Craigslist. We just, we, we rent like a jam space. You just show up, you jam for a few hours. It was fun, right? So okay. I would go to, I don't know, I just kind of looked for people that seemed cool and wanted to to play music. And um, yeah, found these guys. And uh, the first jam was weird, but I was like, yeah, I think there's potential here. <laughs> like, I'll come back. <laughs> I'll come back to like to jam again with, with the drummer. And uh, yeah, it brought it, it definitely brought it together. So I think we were just sitting in this room, like playing guitar and stuff. And it's like, I don't know, for a rock band, you, you never really, you, you just, it's got to be loud. There's got to be drums yeah. going and stuff. Like, you can't really get a sense for what it's actually going to be until you kind of get into that setting, you know? Yeah, sure. so, right. but, yeah, I think after, once we had that first, like, full jam, it was, I was like, yeah, this is, this is cool. I'll, I'll stick around for this. And actually, for sure. listeners at home, I would say I've had very good luck on Craigslist finding people. Yeah. Well, yeah. what it's worth, I don't know why. I don't know if that's just my personal experience, but... It's for what it's worth, I find Craigslist very creepy. If you're a woman, it's like just don't even go here. Oh, I can't even. I, yeah, it's like LinkedIn. It's like I can't even imagine what it's like for you. Yeah, I, I think even like I mean, me, I, I, I'm not sure at this time, but going back five years and before then, it was very common in Toronto that projects were being built on Craigslist. That was a and it would, yeah, I mean, uh, maybe things have changed as they do in five years, but very, very common. And it's it's very, the whole Toronto downtown is so active with bands forming and really good bands and so many live venues that are supporting that uh, for sure. And pro, uh, promotion crews. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Okay, hold on. I want to, I want I was going to go like, Jen, tell me your story. Fred, tell me your story. But um, I want to I want to stop on there, Fred. So you're saying that 
today there's there's huge support locally for bands there 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 is there is it's uh people got to work really hard like the the promoters uh doing it online postering working the venues organizing drawing the crowds so it's very active It, it it's very active uh you got when you when you talk about bringing in the crowds to fill up the rooms there's decent support like you really got to work for it at every point i i think if everyone's doing their job well then yeah the support is there um but you you do got to work to fill up those rooms uh but the support is there yes there are even after the pandemic we've lost a number of venues but there still are plenty of good venues in the in the downtown and just outside the downtown of toronto Oh, sorry. I, I I think it's a popular thing to do. That's you. You talk to people, twenties, uh, thirties, forties. Like that's what they want to do. Check a show. Check a punk show. A hip hop show. A rock show. Uh, you know, jazz. There's everything. And, and people. I, I think it's. A lot, there's been a shift. I think even from the big, the days. Like still, of course, DJ clubs and that are still popular. But I think now there's been a little bit of a shift that it's a cool thing to do to. Huh. Check out the good bands. And you've you've worked with uh you've worked with um Save Toronto Music venues, right? On yeah. Instagram that group, and I know with Bitch Fest. So yep. um can you can you talk about the importance of groups like that and everybody working together? Yeah, so it's it's super important. And I know um Ashley pretty well who who started Save Toronto Music Venues, and I know she she reached out during COVID, like during the lockdown period. And um I just call it COVID. Like, I don't know what I mean, but yeah. The blur. The blur. <laughs> um, yeah, she reached out and they were making these t-shirts and she was starting, she's starting up the, you know, the, the company before we were back playing live. And I thought it was a great idea. And just like, it's been interesting to see it grow. And then once venues were open and we were playing again, she started booking shows. We've played several of them now, um, including Bitch Fest. And yeah, when you when you go to these shows, it really like fosters a sense of community. When you when you're there, like people really it gives them something to latch on to. I think instead of just being like, oh, there's ten different places I could go tonight. I don't know, maybe I'll stay home. You know, you there's a bit more incentive mm-hmm. to go to the same shows, like see the same bands, actually show up, support. When you have these other people more from like a business side of things, pushing it and organizing it and making the t-shirts, making the compilations and all of that. Like it really, it really helps uh, the bands a lot and, and the venues. And mm-hmm. yeah, I think it's great what she's done. So, and, but, and, and, I think it's fantastic. and I would extend from there to say when a, 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 a promotion, a production crew does a great job, then even if they're putting on a bill and you may not be familiar with the bands, they built that reputation. So you'll have a bit of faith. Well, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Save Toronto Music Venues is putting on a show tonight. It's, you know, I, I think they've put on a great show all the, the other times that I've seen. I don't recognize these bands, but I'm going to give the benefit of the doubt that they're mm-hmm. you're going to do a good show. It's going to be good. You're going to see familiar faces there. So mm-hmm. that's what, the, you know, that reputation you get uh, with these with these good promoters. Yeah, it's also yeah. the shows are more cohesive because I find what I can't stand is when we play a show and it's like four bands and none of them should play together because it makes no sense. Like you're mm. just like, I would not watch this band or this band or this band together. Like I would never like, yeah. I don't think anyone would like all these bands. So yeah. it doesn't, it's kind of like a waste of people. They're, they're well curated. Uh, yeah. With these, with these yeah. Groups. You get, you know what you're getting. You're probably going to like. Mm-hmm. most of the bands it's it's a theme like it's not some random assortment of like pop and r&b and hardcore and rock like you're like what is that i don't but that happens a lot i find mm-hmm. i don't know why but it does with with smaller venues it <clears throat> tends to happen unless there's somebody who really cares and is organizing it and putting effort into you okay into it. I don't mind smorgasbord sometimes, but that's just me. I do not like this one. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Jen and Fred, you you've toured, you've been you've been in the business for a while. Um, what what is what is it about about Toronto? It's it, it's still it's still vibrant because I don't know the sense I got. You know, maybe Greg, you you have a different sense, but sometimes. 
the sense I get is outside of the bigger venues, like it's it's a tough slog for for mm-hmm. young bands in this city. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I I agree. Um, I can only I I think I I only have just a basic understanding of what it's like in other cities, but uh, there there is there is the the you know the broad spectrum in Toronto from you know s- super venues and all the way down to the small little venues. So I think there's a spot for everyone uh, at different levels to get started, and maybe an off night, and it, uh, but uh, there's a spot for everyone and. Uh, but what keep what keeps it vibrant? Um, well, I mean, there's I think just because there's a concentration of of people, there's there's the outside chance that you're going to get some accidental traffic, or um, there you know there are people, especially in the warmer months, passing on the street and just looking to jump in somewhere to uh, to catch some entertainment, and uh, so there is you know you will you will get that factor. Um, and maybe because if you're if you have friends in the downtown area they don't have to they don't have to transverse so far just to catch your show they can you know just stumble stumble out of their house and walk in distance for a streetcar in this downtown core be it you know the college street dundas queen street and the and the, you know the cross streets it's a it's a little bit of a hub and people can and they can pair it together with other things going on in the night so it's not like one thing driving out to the middle of nowhere to catch that show driving back no it, i think there's that fluidity that happens uh, in the Toronto downtown so th- that would be like some of my shots from the hip to uh, think what what keeps the um live music alive in toronto but uh it's just that and in toronto i think almost there aren't so many cities that, that toronto ha- at every night of the week there's something going on in toronto mm-hmm. yeah. it could be tuesday night People ask me what's going on. It's a Monday night. I, I could tell them what's going on because there's places that'll be, there's just places that are, people are just hanging out, and especially in the warmer nights. But you know now now they have these these patios that that line the sides of the street all over Toronto. So there's just people hanging out. So there's always something going on. People hanging out and people getting out of their houses, and uh, so that that is a factor. Yeah, I do find it frustrating though in Toronto when. Yeah, there's a lot of these small venues and you play them and you play them over and over and over again and it's fun and it's great, but it's like you get to this certain point and then, you know, there's the Phoenix or like these like mm. bigger places and it's like, how do you get from here to there? And that's where I'm continuously like feel stuck as a <clears throat> performer. Like we always, we end up at this place where it's like, I personally feel like sometimes we're spinning our wheels and like, I'm like, okay, what's next? Like, what do we do next? Mm. Where do you go from there? And I feel like we're kind of lacking some support for bands in that way, like in terms of growth, like past a certain point, you know, what do you do? (laughs) It'd be nice if there was, I don't know, some, some, um, I don't know, like a program, like some governmental program or like something where they kind of like help you out or like mentoring or like, I know there are some programs like that, but they yep. seem very niche and like difficult to get into. And there's probably, there's a lot of bands here. So it's, yeah, they, I wish there was just like an easier way to know what to do next. Um, that didn't require, you know, thousands of people applying for the same thing and most of them not getting it. And then yeah. just that great started. That's where I am frustrated with Toronto because I feel like we have the resources to do a better job. So that's my complaint, but I do love all the venues that we play and, you know, I'll keep playing them. Sure. <laughs> I, I enjoy it, but it's, it's, it does get a bit, a bit frustrating. So you had the chance to play on the lemon stage at Elma combo. That was amazing. Yeah. That's a great, that's a great example of um, sort of like a, a in between where they're, yeah. where they're kind of pushing new artists and mm-hmm. it's a great venue. It's amazing. Well, Lemon Stage did a great job. That was, thoroughly impressed. Yeah, that was actually yeah. There's a bit more of that going on. Okay. Really. Like that, like really like more support for our artists, you know, because it is important to, to, to have artists in Toronto and to, to keep them going, like to give them a little, 
to give back to them a bit, even though I know some people don't agree with that. I do, like, I firmly believe in supporting the arts and, and uh, yeah, trying to keep people's careers going and helping them grow because it, it actually is such a payoff if people do well, right? It's good for, good for the city. It's good for everybody. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So you're, you're heading to, you just played, let's talk about, you've, you've just recently played at the Bovine Sex Club, right? We're about to. You're about to. Uh, yeah, next Sunday. weekend. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, when was that? This coming Sunday. This coming Sunday, uh, November thirteenth. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Um, the Save uh, Save Toronto Music Venues uh, production. Yeah. Okay. Nice. Nice. So there are some of these things like Save Toronto Venues, like Lemon Stage, that sort yeah. of help foster that. Is sort of okay. How do we get to that next? You know, mm -hmm. the, the 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 bigger venue, the next the next step up. Um, yeah. I'm curious what you guys are going to be playing Japan, correct? That's yeah. right. So how, like, so where does that fit in? And, and where I'm going with this is Greg and I recently have had some conversations, you know, with people that have, um, you know, written about Canadian artists that just go to Europe or go to Asia, and they literally they they are they're huge there. Um, and you ask people in Toronto, you go, yeah, I never heard of them. Well, you know, mm -hmm. you go over to, I don't know, anywhere like Finland and they're like a massive band. They sell out everywhere they play. So I'm curious about number one, this trip to Japan, how, how you got that and, and what's happening there and your thoughts around, you know, is, is Toronto the be all and end all, or are there thoughts of, you know, maybe we go to Europe or Asia and see, see what's going on there yeah so the the um the whole tour with japan started uh with um a festival that that came in front of us um now when you're in these email loops or social media there's gonna be a whole bunch of festivals apply to this one apply to that one it could be in la it could be in you know uk or wherever it was and this one in japan came in front of us and sometimes it's a you know you you throw your hat in or you you fill in the blanks shoot them up and uh for our pleasant surprise we got accepted to this festival in tokyo so like okay that's that's awesome uh now i was going to need a little bit more backing and to justify us going all the way across the world so um thankfully the the promoters of the festival we we got in a chat with them and they put us in contact with a a, a booker in japan okay and uh we we worked out an arrangement with the booker to book out a string of shows that can that could fill it out that would justify a whole trip uh to japan rather because we're only going to play one show at this uh we're headlining a you know uh thank goodness a night at one of the nights at this festival but uh awesome you know to and we wanted to see more of japan so we we chatted with this booker um and uh she's just been great and we've uh you know we booked a few shows uh throughout japan to make it a proper little mini tour and uh so that that's where we go um and by no means are we famous in japan but uh it's kind of just like priming that engine you know you gotta get out there like we can play toronto so many times but you know, we got to get out to Montreal or to the States or, you know, wherever, just to make some noise and buzz and make a story and hopefully come back with some of that buzz and and uh, and hopefully we can br uh, bring it back to Toronto with us. So, yeah, but I, I do think Toronto is a good nurturing uh, hub for musicians. But, uh, yeah, it's no surprise that, that uh, artists look out elsewhere to gain some traction because you know you're going to plateau and then it's time to reset and see if you can make some noise in, in, in other areas you know? yeah 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 i think uh it's interesting because the book i I'm, I'm trying to remember the name of the book again like i'm on my covid shot a little dizzy but uh michael barclay's book uh and he does talk about and i think jen you've talked about it that um hmm. peaches is a is a yeah. influence of yours, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah. And uh, in the book, there's a whole there's a whole chapter about peaches and Chili Gonzalez and you know basically Toronto and Canadian Feist, musicians yeah. that went to Feist that went over to Europe. Yeah. yeah, and then became massive in Europe. Right. Yeah, sure. that's what I find such a shame is that we lose so much Canadian talent to the Europe or the U.S. Because why would they stay here if they're not hmm. able to make a career of it? You know, they put so much time and money into it. If someone's gonna give them 
what they need, they're gonna they're gonna leave. Like leave. That's what I find frustrating. I really feel like that's I love Canada, but that's like one of the downsides here is like not enough, not enough support for our artists and and uh and it goes for like the technology sector too like they're trying to change that now but like so many different areas we just need to like put more in to these people and into our talent wherever that is whatever area um i think that's really important yeah i i don't i don't know if it's you know i think a lot of it's just a function of our population i mean sure our population of Canada is is the same as California. So how can you know? How would we imagine uh, we're going to, uh, you know, compete just to stay in Canada? But uh, I think yeah, it's just there's it's just a, a matter of numbers that in Europe or U.S. there's there is going to be you know more people to support the shows and uh, so it, it you know and sometimes it's just to to. I think to get a fresh new look, I mean, all the way back to the time of Jimi Hendrix, of course, he's massive. He, he would end up being massive in the States, but he didn't get there until he did his little jaunt in, in uh, England. So sometimes I think just to get that that fresh air is the case. And yeah, little little countries sometimes punch above their belt. And I think Canada does that from, you know, big pop stars to indie rockers. And uh, we do that as do other countries like Iceland or these other. But it's no surprise that sometimes you got you to spend some dues in the bigger hubs like the States or Europe. Yep. Yeah, for sure. Um, so moving topics a bit. So one of the conversations that we have with a number of artists is around, you know, the the lp versus ep versus singles so i'd um i'd love to get your view on having released two eps and a few singles um sort of that you know today's where we're at today in terms of you know music distribution the way people are listening to music and and your choice to go the ep route versus lp and i don't maybe maybe this plans out i don't know simon you yeah <laughs> all right simon <laughs> We um well we've never released an LP, right? As you yeah. you yeah. We've released, we've right. released a few singles. I think it's difficult now to to justify doing a whole LP. Uh, it's mm -hmm. expensive, right? To to spend the time to record that many songs, a lot of studio time, and if you want to promote all the songs or like a number of the songs in the album, it's just you know if you want to make music videos and, and all that stuff. It's just like a big task, right? To get all of that done, you're pushing it all towards like one kind of release date um, where it's all going to happen. Like the nice thing about singles and EPs, I think for independent artists, it's just, you can just sort of like bite off little chunks at a time, right? Like it's mm -hmm. it's not that difficult to get money together for one or two studio days, right? Whereas maybe it is difficult to get two weeks or something, right? And it's like people got to take lots yeah. of time off work and it's just difficult to um to plan like such a big project like like doing an lp and and giving it the promotion and stuff whereas you know and with people's attention spans what they are today like people like videos people like shorter content on average right like on both even if you release an album most people aren't going to sit and listen to the whole album right so yeah um you know, I think within the band, we don't necessarily totally agree yeah. on. Uh, I want to do I an LP. Jen loves album. <laughs> I like liner notes. I want a bunch of artwork. Yeah, yeah. but it's yeah. not. It's not happening right now. <laughs> yeah. I think no. Simon's on board. Jenny and I are. Yeah, we're romantics. We love the yeah. long play, the the album. <laughs> just, Final. Yeah. You know, just those things are just life changing, and they. Uh, you know, but um. Yeah, Simon says you, you need the resources, the time, the money to properly back an album. Whereas with with a little bit of restrictions, you could you can still back a, an EP and the bite size. So yes, our goal is definitely to do the album, and we're working our way towards that. But in the in the in the time leading up to that, we had to get stuff on the you know get it on the scoreboard, and we want to get some material yeah. out there, show yeah. that we're alive. So these we're doing these EPs, and it's. We're doing our little short films before we get up to the big feature, if you will, and we just we've got to have the the resources to do it properly, or else it's not going to be done right. So uh, it's it, it is going to come. We're working our way up there, and uh, yeah, I think it's no surprise. Yeah, nice. and and it makes it makes sense from a like I don't even think it's working a way up to long play 
I mean, there's a number of bands I think in this band I use regularly, like if I look at Alexis on Fire that have really moved towards the singles and the yeah, you know what I mean, and the EPs versus yeah. doing out. I mean, I, they did the full album or the one that's coming out, I guess, but read this out. But yeah, no, it's it's. Uh, I mean, it's 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 today's it's today's model, right? It's about getting mm-hmm. songs out regularly, yeah. and you can do that, and you can do that with fun and an exuberance and and push it um, versus you you're right spending weeks in the studio. Yeah, and if we spent like two or three years working on an album and like released nothing, between, like <laughs> yeah. people were, we'd probably kill each other, and I think yeah. people forget that we exist, right? Kind of, right? Like you, you want to always sort of be reminding people, like, hey, we were here, here's a new song, here's a new video, right? Yeah. In in a in a funny way, it's almost back to the the late fifties, early sixties when it was just single, 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 and now, yeah. and uh, but yeah, definitely, I mean. I think with in a time in a time where you had the record label support with record sales and record labels were like guys take some time off of work get in the studio get us that full album they could do that but I mean uh, for people at our level there we don't have that support where you know we have to you know work our day jobs which we all do and uh, so yeah we can't just take a month off of work and do a full album uh, in the studio uh, but. Um, that's what we're aiming for. All right, <laughs> excellent, good, good. excellent. It's 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 funny because you mentioned about the day jobs, and it's a question that I wanted to ask Fred. Um, it's interesting because as I was, I guess, creeping you, it's probably the best way I could put it while I was doing the research for the for this conversation. Um, you actually work with a number of other artists, including former Welcome to the Music uh, guest Nicole Simone in your uh, yeah in your day job. Um, you're in you're in the production side of things as well. That yeah, I'm a videographer and photographer, and uh, yeah, I've, I've done a lot of music videos. So um, I've been fortunate to work with uh, awesome artists uh, in Toronto and broader into Canada. Yeah, for sure. Great, that's great. And I've worked with, uh, with Nicole, and I'm not even in the music world, but we've done some. T, uh, TV series and short films and stuff. Yeah. Uh, so we get along creatively. Yeah. Oh, nice. So Tangerine is off of the most recent release, Still Life. Uh, love the video. Uh, you guys are not in it, but I'm guessing someone had to go to Cuba. Push <laughs> <laughs> my rubber arm. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. Uh, again, this was um, this this EP still life was was done during the lockdown, even the hardest times of the lockdown. And I, we we had started uh, we had started some of the musical ideas before the lockdown. And uh, I was doing I was I was uh, about to do a, just a trip, a travel trip, a pleasure trip to Havana. And of course, I'm not going to Havana without bringing up my camera because it's so photogenic with everything. It's just a time capsule uh, if there ever were one at mm-hmm. this time. But uh, so I did have the idea, and and it was deliberate. I said I'm going to shoot some. I'm going to shoot a lot of footage, and I think it'll it'll uh, it could be good for one of our mellower tracks. I, you know, I'm going to shoot it in in a way. Uh, cinematic, if you will, but uh, stuff that I thought. Well, you know, I'm going to catch some things, and I. I uh, I do think that I had I had Tangerine was in my mind, but I, I can't be certain of that. But I do think it was that. But this trip, anyway, it was it was right at the at the precipice of the of the pandemic. I was there as February turned into March of two thousand and twenty. We even had to get our heck. We had to, we had to cut our, our trip short. Oh, uh, I was with some friends. We were uh, there to celebrate a friend's birthday, and we cut our ship our trip short because. We, we saw the pandemic was just was uh, really uh, coming on strong and it, it didn't look good. So we, were, we said we better get out of here because there's going to be just a mass exodus. So that that happened at that time that I shot the footage and we, we cut it up in I, I, just like a montage, uh, you know, of imagery. I think that just, you know, thought provoking as you listen to this chill, dreamy tune. Nice. Greg was talking earlier about, you know, different sounds that he hears uh, from the music. Novocaine, there, there's there's some rap in it. There's some scratching in it. 
Yeah. Um, what was the the inspiration? You know, with with this production specifically. For for Novocaine? Yeah. Um, I think I had like this weird, um, like there's like a steel pan sound on this key little keyboard that I have, and I had like a, a loop on there that I was like playing around with, and uh, I think Jen liked it. Or something. I like the steel pan. Yeah, I like yeah. the the feeling. And for some reason, it just kept rapping. Like every time we jam it, I was like, oh, I don't know why. I just have to like rap on it. Yeah, <laughs> it was a bit weird. It but... was quite interesting. Yeah, I mean, Simon had brought it up. And it was yeah, he was playing it over this hip hop loop, the steel pen bit. And I thought it was really colorful. And uh, mm -hmm. we're yeah, we deliver. We I remember we were jamming, and we you know in our own inner circle, we were debating, well, could Neon Bloom pull off hip hop? Because I mean, that's not our our home ground. But we said, yeah, if we do it tastefully and in a cool way, and Jenny just you know, she delivered with conviction and uh, it really sounded cool. So we're like, yeah, I think if we can do this confidently, we could pull it off. Uh, and uh, so we, we fell in, but yeah, that was, uh, uh, Simon developed the, the foundation of the song and uh, I think he even changed keys at one point. So we, uh, yeah. we drop it down for uh, Jenny to execute the, uh, the hip hop flavor delivery properly. And then, uh, mm -hmm. And we got yeah, uh, your friend, uh, what's his name? Yeah, my friend Mark Cruz, uh, yeah. a friend from high school. So as the song was coming along, I don't know, it just dawned on me. I, you know, I bumped into an old high school friend I hadn't seen in a long time. And he's uh, he's an established uh, scratcher with vinyl. And uh, I said, hey, Mark, well, I, I got this track. Would you like to like do some scratching over? And he said, yeah, yeah. So he, he's in Calgary. We sent him the track. And uh, I think he gave us some samples and we're like, yeah, yeah, more of that, more of that. And uh, and just pretty, just really cool. Like, uh, like very classic style scratching, like of uh, late 80s kind of scratching that he did. And uh, so it, it really turned out well, I think. Yeah, 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 yeah for sure. Yeah. Song sounds great. Um, I understand you guys have a song prepared. Yes um tell us what's what song are you going to play and uh let's talk a little bit about it before you guys play it okay this song is called say when <clears throat> and it's a relatively new song um we're actually planning to record it in two weeks yeah two weeks yeah so with david plowman in toronto um yeah so we're really looking forward to that we're going to be recording say when and another track as well um this is one of my favorites of all our songs probably um it's like for me it's very emotional and it's got this like very grungy kind of feeling obviously we're doing an acoustic version right now so it's yeah. quite different than what we would normally do but um but yeah i i'm quite attached to this song lyrically and, and emotionally it's um, for me, it's about, uh, it's about family and betrayal. <laughs> it's a bit dark, which I like, but, but yeah, it, it's very Shakespearean yeah. and it relates to my own personal experiences. So it's cathartic, like a lot of things that a lot of lyrics like <laughs> to, uh, right. Um, and, and yeah, I find that for myself, when the songs are more personal, I, I, uh, I like really get behind them more. Um, yeah. Oh, this is amazing. This is like the universal debut yes. of, of this song, Say When. Yeah, I think so, yeah. 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 What? <laughs> this is awesome. Greg, we should NFT this episode, maybe. Well, she will share the pro. I don't even know how that works. <laughs> <laughs> Stay you are 
come on! Hey, Fantastic. Hey, hey. Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. So the drums. <laughs> oh man, that was a killer tune. Thank you. Thank you. Jeez. <laughs> thank you. Oh, oh man. Oh, damn. That was good. Thank you. Thank you so much for that. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Welcome to the music. Oh, that was geez. fun, man. That was fun. I think with your PJ shirt, I think you can appreciate some territories we're exploring. That was yeah, that yeah. was awesome. Oh yeah, my yeah. god, jeez, that was that was the best. All right, I I don't know where to go from here. That was that was phenomenal. Thank you, honestly, mm-hmm. thank you so much for playing that for us. Oh, thank that, you for having us. Thank that was that was a that was a killer song. Um, ah, oh, damn. Okay, we're we're sort we're sort of wrapping up here. Let's do let's do this quickly but um you were asked a while back your favorite music venue in toronto and i, I don't know who answered this but horseshoe tavern came Horseshoe tavern yeah um but this Just question we want to ask you is your favorite lost venue and maybe it's different for each of you mm-hmm. but what's your your not necessarily your favorite lost venue, but maybe there's a, a lost venue that you've got a crappy story, a funny story, <laughs> a great story, uh, but these venues no longer exist. So I'm curious. Maybe we'll start with uh, we'll start with Jen on this one. What's what's your you have a, a lost venue story? My favorite was definitely Silver Dollar. Yeah. Which I keep hearing it's coming back and all that stuff, but but I love the old Silver Dollar. I loved it. I played uh, "Cut My Teeth" there. Is that the expression where you yeah. you know like I, I started playing there in two thousand seven? I guess um, that was the first one of the earliest shows I ever did with a full band. It was an all girl punk band, and we played there a lot. Dan Burke did a lot of the booking, and yeah, we were we were always at the Silver Dollar either watching shows or playing or supporting our friends bands and um yeah it was just such a great space and it was a really great time um with the bands that were going on at that time as well and i'm kind of feeling like it's 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 similar now like all these okay. years later it's sort of like feeling about kind of the same again um in terms of you know the quality of the band and the the style and the everything um and the support that was a, a big thing that was happening at that time i found and silver dollar was was a major part of that um so for me i just have excellent memories of playing there yeah all right <laughs> simon do you have one um i think the one that sticks out to me is the central which was okay. um we used to be near like the honest ed's like oh, village. village. Yeah. it was part of that so okay. it got torn down a few years ago or whatever when um when they did that whole uh, redevelopment there. I guess it sticks to me. That was the first place I ever played in Toronto. Okay. Um, and it was actually not a great show. <laughs> I think we were, we were supposed to play, I think we were told, we were like, oh yeah, we were on last and we were supposed to play at like 11 or something that night. And then uh, the schedule was just like drastically behind time. I don't think we even got to play until like 12.30 or like 1 a.m. Like all my friends were pissed. They're like, dude, like what, like, I'm like, I don't know, we're supposed to go on next. Like, I don't know, like, what's going on, right? Like, and I was just confused um, with the whole situation. So, um, yeah, that was that was kind of a memorable one for me. And I only played there that one time, and now it's gone. Oh, man. So no chance to redeem myself. No. <laughs> oh, geez. Yeah. Fred, what about yourself? Yeah, well, I can echo, though, you know, when Jen mentions the silver dollar of all, that was a place, and through Dan Burke, that if he would do so much research to bring in bands from everywhere, Canada, the States, mm-hmm. Europe, Asia, and that was a cutting-edge place, and and, he, and Dan would foresee these bands getting big, and that was a place to play. And if you got to play at the silver dollar, you knew you were going to, you had proved yourself, and uh even Simon, Simon and I, like we would catch. I remember we watched Japanese Breakfast uh, play a small show there, and you know before they would become huge, and many other bands that would go on to do bigger things. Uh, you would see them play the Silver Dollar. So yeah, that that place definitely shed a tear. That I mean, it's it, it's 
it's there. It's a new venue. They slicked it up. We'll have to see. I haven't seen them open their doors up to bands yet, but we'll see. Uh, maybe maybe they got a turnaround story like the Elmo Combo in a way. We'll have to see. The Central was cool, too. It was like a, a big old mansion, really, and you'd go up the stairs. Up, you know, they'd have uh, stages, and, you know, it was a, a really cool spot, the old Mervis Village. So that, that too, was a great place. Um, I like that. My most beloved uh, venue of all time uh, was, uh, or the, you know, the boat. It was just very smaller shows, but really well curated in the Kensington Market. It really yeah. had the, the vibe of Kensington Market, the boat. Anyone was accepted there. The It's a small venue for someone who hasn't gone there, but it was designed like the inside of a hull of a boat with porthole windows and oh, right. uh, like very wooden and uh that it, it was good uh there were some diy type of venues that i i missed that, that you know that didn't survive but soy bomb for everyone who's been the underground scene of toronto soy bomb was a kind of a punk venue on bathurst street and it was like a almost a speakeasy vibe and the bands would play in the big half pipe and it was really cool it's right out of a teenage mutant ninja turtles kind of clubhouse uh venue um I also, I got to say, man, and this would echo across the city, we just recently, after a big fight, we lost Cherry Colas on Bathurst Street. And uh, um, we know uh, uh, Matt Groupie had put up a big fight with uh, a lot of um, uh, uh, shows that were, uh, you know, like try to fundraising mm -hmm. shows to save the venue through the pandemic. But it's so, it's so hard in some of these live venues that 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 support live venues or live music a few nights a week they they, they, they survive on such a mar uh, margin of profit that's very slight and to take it take it away for months on end yeah so cherry colas um man r.i.p to that one uh it had a vibe man the, the deco in there all red and uh kind of really classic really look like a of a i don't know wes anderson like type of vibe in, in that one uh so I can name a few. I can I can go on and on. So many spots uh, went by the wayside, but yeah, a good topic. A good topic. Yeah, 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 this for is... sure. I, it's funny because my my office uh, when I was with a startup back in 2016 was right across from Cherry Colas, and uh, it was certainly a venue that my son frequented regularly at that time. He just absolutely loved it. Um, so one of the questions I'd like to ask before we wrap things up is, is what's in your ears lately? What are you listening to that people should be checking out? I'd love to throw it over to, let's start with Simon. And if you can just give a, you know, a, a band or an artist that you're listening to that people should be checking out. Um, I've really been listening to this band called Parcels a lot. Uh, it's like an Australian band. They're kind of like very soul, funk, like retro, but just incredible. I saw them at Massey Hall. Uh, with Chris actually earlier in this year, and that was probably the best show I've been to this year. Uh, I really like this other band called Ginger Root, which is kind of like electronic, soulful, uh, a little bit video gamey. I don't know how to describe it, but uh, okay. those would be my two picks. Excellent, Jen. Um, lately I've been really stressed out, so I've been listening. I just moved and went through all this, still going through the moving stages. So I've been listening to. Django Reinhardt, super mellow, and it's like really like brings me down. All right, a lot of super cool for people who haven't listened to Django Reinhardt, check it out. And uh, or when I'm driving, I like to listen to Elastica, who I was obsessed with all through high school when I was a kid and stuff. So I'm like right back into listening to Elastica again. Cool, one of the better best Brit pop bands in my opinion. If they fit in that category, it was around that time, all the Britpop stuff. I just love them. Yeah. Every song is amazing. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Absolutely. Fred? Uh, yeah, just recently I, I checked out a show. I was quite impressed by a uh, band, Bonnie Trash, a Toronto uh, band. Uh, I, I checked them out at a Wavelength event, and uh, I was quite impressed with them. And they played with the Twin Reigns, who are a very cool band from Toronto, uh, a duo with some dream pop. So uh them amongst uh other local bands not too long ago i checked out john orpheus who yes. combined like, yes. yeah some um some afro beats with with rock and roll with soul and uh just a, a really uh, nice collision of uh music there and uh man i've been i've been impressed by a lot of the peers coming out of toronto and my toronto group of friends so uh yeah i can 
go on with uh, so some of them and I, I dig in on the on the downloads and streams to dig further and uh, I'm usually pleasantly surprised with what I what I catch on that. Excellent. Awesome. This has been a great chat. Thank you so much for spending uh, your Monday evening or at least an hour or so with us. Sorry we went over time. Um, Thank you. It's been great. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me. So before we go, uh, website, neonbloom.band. Dot band. Yeah. Uh, to check out all of your stuff, all of your music, I believe, is on there. Um, and if people want to, like, digitally buy your stuff, where do you want them to go? Bandcamp. Bandcamp Fridays. Bandcamp. Yeah. There you go. Bandcamp Fridays. Is that an every Friday thing, or is that? I think it's once no. a month or something. Uh, yeah. yeah, we just get these emails that, like, Bandcamp Friday is coming up, and... Mm -hmm. Yeah, then uh, we should advertise it more. But mm -hmm. yeah, that's that's a good time for anyone to go buy music from any band, really. Yep. Awesome. Check them out. I think it's neonbloom.bandcamp.com mm -hmm. uh, to buy the music. Best place to buy music digitally. Mm -hmm. Yep. Or, or just uh, on like social media or Neon Bloom Music, like on Instagram, on yeah. Facebook, or whatever. If you want to follow our shows or what we're up to, we're going to be posting a bunch of Japan content, I'm sure, soon. Yeah. If you want to yeah. follow along, um, check us out on Instagram. And yeah. we're super excited about some recordings we have in the works, so don't yeah. go too far. We got some good stuff coming on through the pipeline. We are here. We'd love to have you guys come back on the show. Yeah. Um, Best of luck in in Japan. Really looking forward to uh, to following uh, your band. This is this is awesome. This has been great. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you. Welcome yes. to the music. Thank you. Thank you so Thank much. You so much. Thanks, Thanks, Cheers. Appreciate it.